You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Dalton used to have a brother or sister. Anybody uh, have brother or sister still trying to tell you what to do? Ralph may be the brother trying to tell the other ones what to do, uh, better known as Glenn uh, in those situations. But uh, or maybe it's a, a, a co-worker, somebody. But, but the point is, is that these are people that are on your level. You know, if you're, if you're in, in school or at work, I think of people who, you know, we got the same job, but yet they're coming up to me and they're like, hey, you know, this is the way you need to do this. And, uh, and so I was just thinking about that because I've got a way I react to those things, maybe even, and hold your horses here, grandparents, but uh, maybe even it's a, a grandparent, you know, that's uh, telling their kids how they ought or ought not to do, uh, which is fine because in these situations, we got finger pointing going on, uh, in these situations, I don't question people's motives, I really don't, but, but I'm using that just as, as an example because... Uh, that's one thing, but that's, there's a spiritual side of that that Paul is addressing with us as Christians. Uh, but I just thought about those as being kind of some good examples of this. And, and, we'll, and we'll get back to that in just a second. But just look in Colossians 2, and we'll begin reading in verse number 16. Colossians 2 and uh, verse number 16. And I want to emphasize, because what I'm going to preach about tonight is the freedom and fruit of living for Christ instead of for others. And that's not a very catchy title, but the freedom and the fruit of living for Christ instead of living for others. Notice with me quickly before we read the whole section, look at verse 16 with me. The Bible says, and I wish you would uh, underline this or highlight it. The Bible says, let no man... Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or in the new moon or in the Sabbath days. Let no man therefore judge you. And then look at verse number 18. Let no man beguile you. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up, puffed up by his fleshly mind. Uh, so he is warning here uh, about not letting a man judge us and not letting a man rob us or beguile us, deceive and rob us. So in Christ, we have freedom. So we don't need to let anybody judge us. And in Christ, we bear fruit His way, so we don't need to let anybody rob us or beguile us of our reward. And I want to try to focus, hopefully, on both of those, but I'm going to uh, start with let no man judge you. Uh, let no man, which is to say allow no man. Don't, don't allow anybody to judge you. Now, we understand that people are going to judge us, right? But the, but the point is, what authority do they have? In other words, don't give other people power over your life as a Christian. Don't give other people power over your liberty that we have in Christ. Uh, they do not have other people. Matter of fact, no one has jurisdiction over us. Now, we understand the exception if you're a, if you're a, a young person that's, uh, that's still living at home. You know, children obey your parents in the Lord. And we understand bosses. And we understand authority in that sense. But 
I'm talking more about, you know, as I mentioned, like a, like a bossy know-it-all coworker. Um, you know, I, again, I've had that before. Uh, you know, people come up, you know, Jesse, this is the way you really need to do it this way and that way. And I, you know how I normally you act? Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Then I keep doing it the way I've been doing it. And uh, they come back and say, well, I, 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 th- I told you you're supposed to do it this way. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to do it that way. But that's the way. And, 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 and then uh, what I want to do is back in the day, we used to actually get paychecks. Uh, and I look at the teens to say that we used to get paychecks, but I would say, I do not see your name on my paycheck. You are not my supervisor. And honestly, I don't usually go to this point, but you understand what I'm saying? It's just like, sorry, dude, you're not the boss. You're not the boss. Uh, the, the kids and, and, and I, I don't, don't you just, wouldn't you just love to be a preacher's kid to where, uh, your life is told as preacher's illustrations all the time, you know, but, uh, but I think about kids when if you've, if you've got one kid trying to tell another kid what to do, the kid that's being bossed and told what to do, uh, starts getting really worked up or something, you know, uh, about this other kid trying to tell them what to do. And I just try to remind the kid that's being bossed, you don't have to listen to them. Ignore them. You don't have to do what they say unless we leave and say, hey, uh, do what uh, they say to do. But why? Because who is the authority here? Are you going to get in trouble because your sibling told you to do something uh, or not? And, and, the, and the answer to that is no when we're talking about just being bossy about things. I talked about a grandparent and stuff. I can think about well-meaning. Uh, th- and, and I appreciate advice. Everybody loves advice when you're not asking for it, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, advice that's being given. Uh, and you know what? I can take that. And, and you don't have to be ugly and you don't have to be mean. Um, but the, the, the point of the matter is this. I'm, they don't, I'm not going to allow them. They, they, I don't have to answer to them. And to bring that into this, let no man judge you. Who is the authority? in your life who do i have to answer to as a worker as a as a father as a husband uh as a as a as, as a sibling whatever the case may be ultimately i've got to answer to god and so let no man judge you the the, the first one if you remember let no man judge you this talks about legalism the legalism of the gnostic teachers in Colossae. and if you remember it's interesting to note that there's, their legalism was not the legalism that says, if you do not keep the law, you are not saved. Their legalism just said, if you don't keep the law, you're not spiritual. And you're not a part of the spiritual elite. And so for our sake, we don't think much about keeping the law, but just go with works. So they're not saying you have to have works in order to be saved, but they're saying that if you're going to be spiritual, there are certain works that you have to have, certain boxes that you need to check. And I know that we talk about this type of legalism, but if you notice, we normally talk about it on Wednesdays, and we normally talk about it when I'm going verse by verse through a book in the Bible. So uh, I know we're visiting it again, but it, it comes up again here in the book of Colossians. Human nature thrives in religious duties. Isn't that interesting? Human nature strives in religious duties. The flesh is weak when it comes to spiritual things, but the flesh is strong when it comes to religious things, religious duties. Somehow, adhering to the religious routine inflates the ego, makes a person content in his or her self-righteousness, Legalism is popular because you can, it gives you a measure, measuring stick. 
You can look at your life outwardly and say, well, I'm a lot more spiritual than those folks, and I'm doing better than this one, and that is not the case. Uh, you can't just base that on what you see, but, but legalism allows you to do that. That's one reason why, believe it or not, it's pretty popular. And, and then you can also brag about what you do or do not do. This offers people a false spiritual security. But this is far from the goal, which is being like Christ. So they, they were dealing with the legalism there. But notice this. The reason we are not to let someone else judge us is what he says there. Notice all these words are important. Verse number 16. Let no man... What's that next word? Therefore... Let no man therefore judge you. So what is the therefore? It's all that's been talked about. It's talking about what Christ has done. Remember, all, all through this, it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Man, He created all things. He went to the cross. He did it all. He paid the full price of redemption. If you know Him, if you have Him, you have it all. In Him is the fullness. And you are full in Him. You're complete in Him. Therefore... Let no man judge you. Let no man judge you. That's the therefore. That's a huge therefore. See, the basis for our freedom is therefore. It relates to what Christ has done. Our freedom, folks, is in the person and work of Jesus Christ, not our works. Not before salvation, not after salvation. All fullness of the Godhead dwells in Him bodily. On the cross, He canceled the debt and the dominion of the law. So as believers, we're under grace as a rule of life and not under the law. That does not mean that we live lawlessly. Grace will compel you to go further than the law does. Law and works, legalism sets a ceiling. If you get here, you've arrived. Many of us have been there. We, many of us have been there. We've checked off the boxes. We've done what's required. And now we're the spiritual people in the church. Well, that's not what Christ wants. See, legalism has a ceiling. These rules has a ceiling. But what if, the, what if the goal is to be like Christ? Well, then all of a sudden, these little boxes we check don't really mean a whole lot. And we've got to do something greater. And we want to draw closer. And we want to have a greater impact. And we want to walk closer with Christ. So grace takes you even further. So... Uh, the, the basis for our freedom is the therefore. The person who judges a believer because that believer is not under, in this case, in Colossians, the Jewish law, but for our application, we'll talk about works, uh, but the Jewish law or works um, is really judging Jesus Christ. If somebody looks at me and says, hey, salvation, just you trusting in Christ and Christ alone, that's not enough. Well, are you judging me right now or are you judging what Christ did as not being sufficient? Let's carry it a little bit further. If you're telling me that in order to be spiritual, I've got to keep some of these outward works that you're telling me, that that's, that that's what I have to do in order to be spiritual, you're telling me that Christ is not sufficient for my, uh, for my sanctification. If, if I've got to complete these things and check these boxes, these outward things, and so I'd, I'd say that's a pretty uh, big uh, claim. But the thing is, we don't have to let anybody judge us uh, based on these things. We don't have to be judged by these people, uh, by anyone. So we talk about the freedom, the basis for our freedom. But then I want to mention the bondage of legalism. Uh, legalism is bondage. 
Peter called it a yoke upon the neck in Acts 15. Paul in Galatians said, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That yoke, of course, being that which they would put upon a team of oxen, perhaps that, that, that piece of wood that would be uh, shaped and fastened to put on and lock you in uh, to this. Uh, don't, don't be entangled. Don't be tied down. Don't be drug in to that yoke of bondage. And particularly, uh, they were mentioning, notice what the Bible says here again in verse 16. The Bible says, let no man therefore judge you in meat. Now, we generally don't have this trouble again in our modern day, but there's equivalents that we could make. But don't let any man judge you in meat or in drink. Uh, so that's diet, right? So we understand that the Jews had a special diet given to them by God Almighty. Uh, and I'll say more about that in just a moment. But that was all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Therefore, these Gentiles are not restricted to this Jewish diet. Uh, but he said, let no man judge you specifically in meat or in drink. But not only did they have diets, but they also had days. The Bible says, or in respect of an holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days. So they had diets, they had days. Jesus addressed the diet part when he made it clear that food in and of itself was neutral. Food wasn't bad. It's neutral. Uh, and he said in Matthew 15, verses 18 through 19, he said, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil, evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. Jesus said the issue is with the heart. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 8, but meat commendeth us not to God. For neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. And again, I understand the meat, we don't have much, we don't think much about food, you know, as far as in a spiritual uh, application, but the, the, the meat argument can come into questionable things sometimes in a Christian life tradition you can make some parallels there. And we've done that before, so I'll not take time to necessarily focus on that. But so not only did he focus on diet, but he also focused on days. Don't let nobody judge you by days. Now, there, this does have some real application to us. Now, one of the things that's important to understand is that the Old Testament Jew was, was commanded to keep the weekly Sabbath, which was the seventh day of the week. And we could go through all the Sabbaths. There's a, there's a Sabbath every week. There's a Sabbath every seven years. There's a Sabbath every 50 years. Um, that was supposed to be observed. That, that was like a super Sabbath. But I want to I say here right, right away about the Sabbath and so forth. The Sabbath day was a sign of the covenant. It's important to understand this. It's, it's interesting, you know, and, and Doria, Doria will cover and has covered some of these things. But in every covenant, there's a sign that's related and goes along with it, a symbol, a, a token, a, a seal, as it were, that goes with the covenant. And the seal or the sign for the old covenant is that of, we, we know of circumcision, but also of the Ten Commandments, it would be the Sabbath day. Now, listen to this closely. It is wrong to call Sunday the Christian Sabbath. Um, and there's been some great, great men throughout the years who have 
called Sunday the Christian Sabbath. Now, there's nothing wrong if somebody just refers to it that way and they're not trying to impose the law on Sunday and say that when, you know, all of a sudden Jesus moved the Sabbath day to Sunday and now the Sabbath is on Sunday. And if, and if you're, uh, I'd say my age or older, uh, you grew up a little bit with this idea. Now, I want to say that there's a principle here. I believe that when God gave a day off of the week, it's interesting, by the way, God said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God was just basically saying in that, the reason I gave you all the Sabbath day was to be a blessing to you. I was trying to give you the day off. But then they turned it into something that ended up being a great burden to people and so forth. Now, there was serious penalties for violating the Sabbath. Don't misunderstand me. But it was meant for men. It was meant to be a blessing over all. But the point that I'm trying to make is that Sunday is not the Christian Sabbath. It was not so designated in the New Testament. Uh, the, the, we, we have a reference to Sunday as being the Lord's Day. We understand that after Jesus, and by the way, in the Old Testament, Sunday was a significant day for the Feast of Tabernacles, um, for several other, uh, I mean, as a matter of fact, even for circumcision, the eighth day. Uh, there was a lot of, there, there were several references to Sunday being significant. The Feast of Tabernacles, I believe I mentioned, and others. But, uh, but, in the New Testament, we see Christians begin to worship on the first day of the week. Now, getting back to the text. Let no man judge you in food or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or the Sabbath days. Um, now, I, check this out. Did anybody else grow up being taught that it was wrong to, cut, to, to mow the lawn on Sundays? I don't know if that was just a big... Okay, Nicole says yeah too. So I, I know down south, man, like... Literally, even as a kid, I can remember you talk about you, you want to see somebody that's some kind of awful person. It's that person out there cutting grass on Sundays. What's that? No, no, legally you couldn't hunt on Sunday. That's right. That, that, that you, you were not permitted to, uh, by the law uh, to hunt on Sundays. There, there was a lot of things about Sunday. There was a lot of things. And, and listen, I'm all for things being closed on Sunday, and I think that's all well and good. Uh, but... Where does the Bible say and teach that you can't mow on Sundays? Now, we, the thing we know is you go back to, uh, you know, I, I remember reading, uh, the, 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 the kids reading uh, Little House on the Prairie. Man, those kids on Sunday, they were not allowed to move. Anybody like that? They had to sit in the house and maybe read, but they weren't allowed to play. They weren't allowed to hardly do anything on Sunday because they treated it like the Sabbath. Andy Griffith, that's right. Yeah, there's a whole episode on, of Andy Griffith about, you know, the stranger coming to town and trying to get his car fixed on the Lord's, on the Sabbath. And they're like, no, sir, we don't work on cars on the Sabbath. I love Andy Griffith, by the way. Uh, but uh, I'm serious, man. It's awesome. But uh, that's right. It was, now, again, it's, it's, it's not, Sunday is not the, it's not the Christian Sabbath. Now, uh, practically speaking, therefore, there's nothing wrong as far as the Bible is concerned with mowing the lawn on Sunday. I'll tell you this right now, though. I still don't know if I've ever mowed the lawn on Sunday or not, Ralph. I just don't feel comfortable doing it. Uh, it's, 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 I don't know if it's a conscious sake thing, but it was so... And I'm telling you something else. I don't know how much things have changed. I've been gone from uh, the South for quite a while. 
Uh, but if I lived there, there's a good chance that I would still not cut grass on Sunday, even if I could, for testimony's sake. Right? And I know it says to let no man judge you, but if I can just wait another day and my unsaved neighbor thought, I thought that guy was a preacher. You know, honestly, it's a, it's a big deal. Uh, now, uh, guess what? We, ha- we, we, we have the Lord's Day. We have church on Sunday. I encourage not only young people, I encourage old people. Hey, this is the day we have church. This is the day we worship together. I mean, man, t- take the day off if you can. At least get Sunday morning off. Uh, young people, I, I think it's just a trip when young people get some minimum wage job and all of a sudden, well, I have to work on Sundays and Wednesdays, really? Dude, get another job. This isn't your career right now, okay? Uh, you can literally go in, and we've had several young people that have done this, that go in and say, I will work and do whatever you need me to do, but I, want Wednesday, but I need Wednesdays and Sundays off. And, and, and they have, and bosses will agree to that. You don't have to work on Sunday. And I'm talking about young people. And I know sometimes in, in, in other ways it can get a little tough. But uh, anyway, so that's a good reason not to work because we have church on that day. But as far as doing these other things, how about this one, been judged for days? This is a very real one for us. Now, some of you will not get this at all, and I'm thankful for that. But others will. We don't have Sunday night service. Surprise. What do some of my friends and loved ones and people that I fellowship and know say about that? You want to know that? They judge that. We're comp- we've compromised. So there's people that are actively judging this church. Would you believe that? There are people actively judging this church because we do not have Sunday night service. But the Bible says, let no man judge you, so what does that mean? That just simply means, so what? It's the brother trying to tell the sister what she has to do. You're not my authority. But the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, oh, my bad. The Bible says in Hebrews 25, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together on Sunday night at 6 o'clock. It says it right there, preacher. I don't understand you're clearly violating the Word of God. No, I'm not. We're just, we're, we're, we might be violating independent Baptist tradition going back for the last 50 years or so, uh, but I don't give a big fat rip, amen, I don't, I know what people say, and guess what, I don't really care, uh, and furthermore, if, if this whole thing about, and so much the more as we see, dude, your church has been having three services a week for the last 50 years. Where's your so much the more, pal? Where's that at? See, okay, it, it's, it's a big bunch of malarkey. I couldn't think of a better theological word than that. Um, but it, it reminds me of this. There's a principle here. You think about this. Right now, there's Seventh-day Adventists, for instance. They try to keep the Sabbath. There's people, there's people, there's, there's Christians. I'm talking about born-again, saved people that will judge other Christians if they eat out on Sundays. If they eat it, why? Because it's the Sabbath. But let, let's go back to the problem with this whole thing. Okay, the, the, the Seventh-day Adventists, for instance, they keep the Sabbath, they say. But here's the, thing, you, here's the thing about trying to keep the law. And here's the problem with the law. It's with us. It's not with God. But it's what God's trying to teach us with the law. There's a big old fat problem with this. You may not work. 
And you may not go out to eat on Sunday, but in the wintertime, as soon as you put your thermostat on and that fire ignites, you've violated the Sabbath. Because you're not supposed to kindle a fire on the Sabbath day, buddy. Oh, well, you know, start your car. What happens? You just kindled a fire. Oh, that's just a little spark. Same thing. You're not supposed to travel over a mile. Oh, well, you know, that's different, isn't it? So, here, see, here's the problem. When you start living this works-based life, you pick and choose what's right and wrong. You know, it's the people, and here I go. I wasn't going to go on this rant. I was going to get through all this tonight. But it's the people back in the day, and just bear with me, it's the people back in the day that I experienced. It blew, it blew my mind when I was trying to raise support as a missionary, and I called a pastor. I knew pastors, friends of mine, that were against having TV, period. Do not have a television in your home. They were totally against that. Um, and you knew it. They preached. But you know what? They knew I had a TV, and it didn't ever affect our fellowship. It was just, that was their, you know, preference. Well, all of a sudden, I call up a preacher, and he's like, do you have a television in your home? And believe, at this time, we had, anybody can, can identify with this, we had a floor model that didn't work. And then on top of the floor model, we had a little one like this. Anybody, you know, okay. Uh, and we had two and a half channels. We didn't, you know, I say two and a half because you didn't always get the third. It depended on how you could get the ears adjusted, you know. And so I said, well, as a matter of fact, I do have a television in my, oh, well, I'm sorry, we cannot have a missionary come who's got a television in their home. And I'm like, okay. It just, but it just threw me, you know. And I, I, I would talk to people, and that would be their first question. But here would be, here was the great thing about it. I'm still with the starting fire on the Sabbath day, okay. As the internet started coming along and catching on, uh, does that make me sound old, like you know that I was there then? Uh, that all of a sudden, there was a really cool thing that you could do. You could go on the evangelist website, and you could listen to a message on the internet about the evils of television. Not joking. I'm not even kidding in the least bit. Anybody see a problem with that? What can I get on my little th two and a half channels? What can I get on WWW, you know? I mean, but they, they pick and choose, see? That's the problem. Uh, I, okay, I'm going to just, uh, I think that's probably all I need to say about that for now. There's a lot more I could say, man, but I'm going to uh, just move on. Uh, move on? No, oh, okay. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, I hear you. Okay, okay, all right, here we go. I'll, I'm going to just close tonight with... <laughs> I'm going to close tonight with this... Um... Oh, they don't believe me, that's it. I, I've told you all this before. Uh, I, I, I've always been amused. I, I had a preacher pointed out to me years ago how that the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter number 8 said, Finally, brethren, how many chapters are in Romans? 16, amen. Uh, halfway through, he said, finally. And in summary. But no, uh, I just want to say a couple things about the, th this whole idea uh, the Jews' diets and days had their proper function back in 
under their, their spiritual economy, if you will, under the old dispensation. But it was, not, it was never meant to be a permanent part because there's, the Bible even says there's nothing wrong with the law, but, the, but the, law, the law's function was never to save, was never to make someone righteous. Therefore, in the same application, works are never intended to save anybody. Works don't make anybody righteous or better than somebody else. Um, because that's what we, we can fall into this Colossian brand of legalism that, you know, we, we do more, so therefore we're more spiritual. But the Bible says in John 1, 17, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So you see there's a distinction being made there. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So the Bible teaches us in Galatians chapter 3 that the law was a schoolmaster. And a schoolmaster was basically a tutor that would help a young child uh, come of age. They would teach them the ABCs and the one, two, threes and, the, and, and all these things. And the, um, I was about to say Ebonics, but what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, the Phonics, yeah. Uh, that would teach them these things. All right. So that's what a schoolmaster was. So the law, the Bible says, was a schoolmaster that helped to train and discipline uh, the children of Israel preparing the people for the coming Messiah. Uh, so now that Jesus had come, the schoolmaster was no longer needed. So going, going back to, to, to law, for instance, to be saved or to become more righteous or whatever, it's like, it's like all of a sudden us uh, you know, graduating or maybe even graduating from college, getting a college degree, and then someone coming along and saying, yeah, but... Uh, you need to go back and color in the lines. You know, we need to go work on that again. See if you can color in the lines. I mean, on your little papers. You know, we, we, need, to, we need to do your one, two, threes again. And you're like, you, uh, you want me to go back to that? That's what it's like to go back to works or for us to depend on works of the law. So it was a schoolmaster. It was no longer needed. So does this mean that the Old Testament law has no ministry in the New Testament? Does the, does, does the Old Testament law matter to us at all anymore? Don't, don't mistake us saying that the law has got a different purpose for saying it has no purpose at all. See, the law still reveals the holiness of God. That still ha so therefore the law still has a purpose today because we still are reminded of what God's holy standard is. And, that, and by the way, that's something that's used and pictured that, that th this lost world needs to see. Have you ever lied? Well, if you've lied, you, you've broken the law. You, you've come short of the glory of God, see? Uh, you, you ever looked on a woman to lust after? You've ever coveted? You just go right down the list. So the law still has a function today, but it is still just reveals the holiness of God. And furthermore, Jesus Christ can be seen in the law. But the law is meant to be a mirror, is the way, the way James says it. The law is like a mirror. Uh, I mean, you look in the mirror... And you see the problem. I came in today and uh, I was uh, siphoning uh, water out of a pool, not gas, don't worry. Uh, but I'd got, I'd got some mud up here on my lip, but I, never, I didn't even see it. So I walked in the house and Melanie said, what is on your mouth? And I said, uh, I said oh, it's, it's just probably dirt, you know. Um, what am I telling you about that? But anyway, she, she, but then, then, I, then I said, oh, it's probably, she said, she said, it looks just like a Hitler mustache. You ought to go look in the mirror. 
So then I went and looked in the mirror, so I had somebody that loved me enough. I mean, I, honestly, though, if she thought there was any way that I could make it to church and still have that on, I promise you she would have let me do that, okay, just so you know. Um, but uh, she told me about it. I went and looked in the mirror, and when I looked in the mirror, and then Sarah Sue, I took that mirror off the wall. Is this, is this what you do? You got something on your face, and so you take the mirror, and, uh, and, and then you start going like this, sort of. Is that what you do? Those little, you know, uh, ladies carry those little mirrors around in their pocketbooks uh, and stuff like that, right? Uh, bring those out, get a, and they just rub the mirror on their face to get their, something cleaned off. Or, no, I'm, I'm, you don't do that. The law, the Bible says, is a mirror. What it does is it shows you you've got dirt on your face. You've got sin in your life. You've come short of the glory of God. And what, what it then does is say, now I want to point you to where you can be cleansed, and that is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will cleanse you. So the law still has New Testament function, but we don't, it, it's not about works, it's not about fulfilling righteousness, because all righteousness has been fulfilled. Amen. All right. Uh, well, I'm done. I told you I was going to finish with that. I was expecting applause on that one, but anyway.